the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to the Talent Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Patty Johnson. Patty is the CEO of People Results, a highly successful change and learning consulting firm she founded back in 2004. Patty and her team advise clients, including companies such as PepsiCo, Microsoft, 7-Eleven, Accenture, McKesson, Frito-Lay, and many others on creating positive change in their leaders and organizations. She's also the author of Make Waves, Be the One to Start Change at Work and in Life, the host of the Be a Wavemaker Conversations on Change podcast, and an adjunct professor on leading change at the Southern Methodist University Cox School of Business. Before founding People Results, Patty was a managing director at Accenture and held numerous global leadership positions, including leading the global people and talent function, while specializing in client projects with complex people transitions. So Patty, you know a lot about people in the workforce and how are you doing? How's life in Texas? Uh, it's great. It's very snowy and uh, a good day here. Enjoy the snow here while we can. It won't last long. So it's well, great to be here. Thank you, John. Great. Okay, let's get started. There seems to be a lot of discussion these days about remote and hybrid work and what it means for our workforce and our cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people get confused when we when we talk about remote and hybrid work, kind of don't really know what we are talking about there. So maybe you could start off by giving us what you think you, a good definition is of high hybrid work. Mm-hmm. Just what is it? And does it vary a lot depending on the type of organization that, that it is? Well, first off, one thing sometimes people will do is um, replace or think that virtual working and hybrid working are synonymous. They are not, right? Hybrid working to me is a blend of you have people all different places. Some people are in the office, some people working virtually, and those same people might be in the opposite place on another day. So you've got a workforce that is working from a variety of different places and you have to adapt to it. So um, I think it's it, it's a, a way of working that's here to stay, but you can't assume everybody is in one place all the time. It's just not going to be that way anymore. So when you're talking about leading people, and mm-hmm. that's sort of the, mm-hmm. the core of what I think we're going to talk about here, right? In a hybrid work in, environment, how does that compare to the more traditional work mm-hmm. environment that we had sort of pre-pandemic? Which I get for a lot of places may be gone now or may be taking a long time to like to like come uh, come back right but talk about the differences that we've seen over the last few years as this has sort of evolved for a number of companies sure right I guess the, the best advice I would give a leader is if you haven't hit reset on how you are leading today if you're still relying on your same tools and tricks that you used four or five years ago, you're probably out of step. So very important that you completely stop and think about that again, because 
when you have people working in all different shapes, fashions, locations, you can't keep using the same tricks you had before. Um, whether you were all in the office or in my case, a lot of us worked virtually, uh, have worked virtually for a long, long time. So I think that's the most important thing. And I also think the other thing from, for leaders is some of the things you might've been doing anyway, you need to just turn the dial up on, like establishing sense of connection and culture, collaboration, all those things we would say, of course, those are important as leaders, but when you're not all together, you got to turn the dial up and give it a lot more emphasis than you would have maybe a few years ago, especially if you're on the office. Well, you know, I find myself in that same boat. I find mm. that uh, I'll be talking about something and referring to how we did it in 2019 <laughs> or prior. And I have to stop myself and say, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably changed. I sh- probably shouldn't be referring to that. I'm sure it's a lot different now. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think leaders, most people who are leaders have been working for a few years. And so they develop some habits we all have, and it's time to take a fresh look at them. What am I doing? How am I doing it? And what changes do I need to make? Well, I I know you, one of the things that you do, which is why I think you're so good to have on the podcast is that you do a lot of work with CEOs Mm -hmm. and with organizations that are in the midst of change or trying to change. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And What's your take on how CEOs in general, if you can even talk about it in that way, how do they feel about hybrid work? You know, do they see it as a natural evolution of the workforce? Yeah. Or do they think it's a stopgap measure that's largely pandemic driven or is it something else entirely? Something else. Okay. I will say CEOs and top leaders. One of the things we've seen with our many of our clients and dealing with these issues is there is a generational difference. And so people who are who have come through an organization working a certain way, again, back to those habits and behaviors we have in our own little personal backpack, they tend to think that's what works best. And so that I want to return to that. So I have seen not just the CEO level, but the VP level, often there is a disconnect. I'm thinking of one of our clients that we just had a meeting with a couple of days ago, where if you look at the data of what the teams of people across the organization think and what they want, there's a little bit different. Some of the, at the top of the organization, they do kind of want that return. Let's get it back the way it was. So I'm making a broad brush statement. Certainly that's not true for everybody, but I think that's one of the issues. And for people who are in talent in change roles out there in organizations, that is one of the things I am hearing a lot about is how do I convince some of my senior leaders that we can still work in a different way and we can still be successful. We can still get everything done. So some of that is, is influence and it's a change effort, which we all, you know, we, that's what we all do um, on most days anyway. Well, you know, I read in a business publication, I can't recall if it was the Wall Street Journal or Inc or where, but something about the difficulties with hybrid work because people who've been working remotely even when they go to a hybrid schedule where they're at home working on their own part of the time, mm-hmm. they've lost some degree of autonomy as to when they have to be in like the office. And, you know, maybe it's like, hey, you got to be in the office every Monday and Friday. And they struggle with that um, yeah. in many, many cases. Are you hearing much about that? And are there are there organizations that are kind of continuing to dabble in how we set this up? Because it it seems to me there's a lot of people who 
are struggling going back from just remote and being at home or being in some remote yes. environment coming back, mm-hmm. particularly if, if it means being back in the workforce on given days. On given days. Yes. It's funny you, you mentioned that, John, because just last week we were in conversation with one of our clients and the number one complaint of people who are largely virtual, but go into the office in some cases, they'll go into the office and spend all day on Zoom calls with people who are working virtually. So what that tells you though, is that back to, you know, we're talking about leaders and is leaders need to be really smart in putting up some ground rules of saying, okay, if you're in the office, Tuesdays and Fridays are collaboration days, right? That's when we want to work together. And, um, and those are when we should have some of our team meetings where being in person really has value. So I think that the organizations that I've seen that are having the most success are people who are, they know the business boundaries and they know this from their leaders, but they are listening to all their employees and figuring out how do we do this in a way that is going to work. The other backdrop in all of this, obviously, is the talent market right now. And it is wildly competitive. And so you don't want to alienate part of your workforce because now all of a sudden now I have to work differently than, than what I signed up for and often. So how do I, how do I change that up? And, and do it in a way that still those people are going to stay committed and want to be part of the organization. So that's the other backdrop, I think. You got to get, we've got to get this right, definitely. And by the way, there's not going to be the snapback. It was part of your question earlier. It's just not anybody waiting for everything to go back to exactly the way it was before. It's just not going to happen. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the thing I keep finding myself, catching myself, talking about. <laughs> I uh, know. I understand. And, and it's like, yeah, you know, whatever it was, it's not going to be that again. And I don't even know how close we're going to get back to that if we get close at all. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's a real, real challenge. But one thing that has, that has been on my mind a lot has been culture. Because yes, sure. my take is that strong workforce cultures happen when, when people share the values that flow from the top of the organization and a lot of times bubble up from, you know, the lower parts, but it's, you know, I, I've talked about it, about collaboration, how sometimes that happens when you're in the break room or the coffee room at the office, getting a cup of, a cup of coffee and you bump into a person and you're just chit chatting about something and boom, you start talking about some joint problem that you've been trying to solve. How do you do that kind of stuff? If you do it at all, um, and build a culture when so many people are not around it anymore that, mm-hmm. and their schedules are here and there, you know, um, mm-hmm. how, how do you do that? Uh, because it seems to me that the greatest thing we might lose is culture being a real driver mm-hmm. of strong businesses and the businesses that get their hands around how to do that in this different environment now are going to be the ones that really succeed in the future. For sure. For sure. Yes. And I think if you talk to, at least in our conversations, with our senior senior leaders that we talk to, that's the biggest concern. Like, how are we going to pass on our culture and collaboration, uh, the way we work? So I think there's two or three things. Um, one of them is for those of us who are in talent change professionals is be more deliberate around what our culture means. This is who we are and call it out versus let other people who may be able to join and they would have picked it up by osmosis by watching others. So be more deliberate on defining this is, this is in a very simple way. This is how we do things. Um, the second thing, and I've struggled this one, with this one myself, and that is almost going counterintuitive. So most of us have been in business where it's 
productivity, efficiency. So as an example, I get on a meeting, I've got three things I want to cover. I want to cover those things. Boom, we're done. We're on to the next thing. And I think what we have to be willing to do is to allow time on calls for conversations about the weekend, um, for hearing what's happening in people's lives and allow some breathing room for conversation. And that is counterintuitive to a lot of people who are really focused on outcomes, productivity. And this is something I have had to learn too. And also try your best to replace the in-person experience. So somebody, you would have normally had a lunch, a wedding shower for someone, do it virtually. There are so many creative things you can try to do. The last one is hopefully here, um, you know, as we can kind of get past a little bit, some of the pandemic is figuring out allowing budget for some in-person time, right? People that have just joined a new organization. If I've never ever met any of these people in person, it can have just a huge impact, even if it's not all the time, but it's occasionally um, in really using that. So those are two or three things. Those are, that's a big conversation. And I think um, that's the, uh, the $50,000 question. Like, how do we do that? Right. Because that's, that's a hard one. For sure. and, and, you know, one, one of the things that you, you, you touched on this, uh, is that when I'm on a zoom call frequently, I'm one of the first people there. And what I find is that people sort of straggle in the way they used to do in an office. In an, yes. We've got to go to a conference room and they take time straggling in. But when we're in that moment, you start chatting about something, maybe with the other person who's an early bird on Zoom. Right. And that's what leads to sort of having five, 10, maybe even 15 minutes of conversation about just personal stuff and where things are and how are things, where will you live? Now, mm-hmm. I work with people who are half a world away from me. Yeah. So it's a little bit different and we can't get together ever, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I, I find that there's sort of a natural thing about Zoom that allows that to happen. Mm-hmm. Not unlike what you used to get, I felt, in the best office environments when people came in and uh, mm-hmm. chit-chatted at the start of a of a of a, of a yeah. meeting. But it, it seems to me that on Zoom or a remote system, the you don't shut it down immediately when the leader starts you kind of keep on chatting for like a bit so yes and in fact one of our clients a very senior person who is one of the most effective efficient people i know she said i have started you know if i have a meeting from 11 to 12 i i will make intentionally not really start the agenda till 11 15 for this exact reason. And she said, you know, it's made a world of difference. I can pick up the time on some of the work steps, but um, that's been her new habit. So I think, you know, doing some of those things that are counterintuitive for all of us who've been taught productivity and get as much done as you can, it sometimes feels a little unnatural, but it might help. Have you bumped into any CEOs who are really, really struggling with the want to go back to (laughs) pre-pandemic way of work? Yes. And yet you can't really do it as you, as you yes. pointed out. The, yes. And I would say the, the constant theme I hear from, and not just CEOs, but really those VP people that head up divisions, big functions. One of the things they struggle with the most, and I would call it accountability. Okay. I can't see you. Right. So when I see you, it's my shortcut for knowing you're working hard. You're in the office all the time. You know, you're not off, you know, watching Netflix I know you're focused. 
And it gives me comfort because I can lay eyes on what you are doing. And so that accountability issue is to me and what I've seen with our clients and some of the the surveys we've used, that is the biggest struggle. And are we still going to get stuff done? So I think um, what we've encouraged is, as with any good performance, right? You want to know, focus on outcomes, focus on, are you doing what you say you're going to do? And how do you kind of walk people through, coach people through, guide them through the outcomes versus, well, boy, John, he comes in at seven and he doesn't even leave till 7.30. He is working so hard. He's doing so good. When maybe John isn't, maybe John's not getting everything done, but it sure looks like he is. So it's a, it's stuff we know anyway, but I think it's helping those CEOs and senior leaders okay, you're going to have to rely on something else besides your eyes. Well, as we were talking about what we were going to talk about here today mm-hmm. on this podcast, one of the questions you kicked to me is, you know, what changes should we be thinking about in the talent space? So what changes should we be <laughs> thinking about? In the talent space? Well, I think a few things I would say my, my advice to anybody in the talent space is don't, don't, treat what you're doing as a snapback, right? Where we just got to get back to the way it was, or it's just a return to the office. This is also, I always view, this is a huge opportunity for us to try some new things, experiment, do some things differently we've always wanted to do. Um, Educate your leaders. You can change your policies all you want. If you are not enabling your leaders and helping them figure out how do I operate in this new world? And maybe step one, recognizing it is a new world. Um, then we're really missing it. I, I saw a great example. Um, again, I keep thinking about my own client experience where um, the CHRO said to the CEO, you can do all, try to get everything back just the way you want it, but you got to be willing, you're going to lose some people in the process. If, if you're willing to do that by trying to return back to you so you feel comfortable, then let, we can talk about it, but there's going to be a price to pay for trying to get everything back the way it was two, three years ago. So I thought that was great. And and they've worked really hard at trying to to get some of those changes in place, but use it as an opportunity. I would say we've got a big one. Um, Anxiety can can really open a door for, to try some new things, you know? And it would seem to me that trying to get back to the way things were is going to be a futile task that uh, you're going to end up chasing your tail, trying to, trying to get back there. Um, maybe you can get some elements like they were a few, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that'll be enough for folks, but it feels like we're really still in a big transition now and Agreed. who knows where it's going to land in a year or two or three. Agree. Agree. Well, you know, these always go really quickly, way too quickly when yeah. we do the podcast, but there's a question we ask everybody who comes on the talent experience podcast, Mm -hmm. because at Fuel 50, we wholeheartedly believe everyone should have a job that they're really passionate about. So Patty, what do you love about your job and what you do? What are you passionate about? I think the thing that I get most excited about is helping, like if you help a client, a person do something big that they wouldn't have done without you being there, just feeling like, okay, I'm helping them advance their career. I'm helping them make their mark in the organization. That's big. Our team at People Results is incredible. We have a great relationship. So that makes it a lot more fun. Plus, I like the, the variety, the creativity, being able to bring new ideas. And, you know, uh, so for me, I'm pretty fortunate. I kind of have the little trifecta here. The stuff that I care most about, it kind of on most days lines up, lines up pretty well. So pretty good. It, seem, it seems to me, too, you're the type of person who loves when you're working with a person and you see the light bulb go off. 
Oh, when yes. when yeah, they definitely. when they get it and you can see that they that they got it that mm-hmm. struck me to be something that that you are big really really good at so thank you that's true true statement anyway patty thank you so much for thank you for having me to be with us here today on the talent experience podcast you have such great insights and then we really appreciate you being here and sharing them with everybody who's in our podcast audience Thank you. Honored to be here. Thanks a bunch, John. Great. Thanks again. So for the Talent Experience Podcast, this is John Holland. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentXPodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50. 